Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Lily Allen Duenas. Together, we'll talk about the world of yoga, and we'll talk to people from around the world. Before diving into the episode, I wanted to invite you to head on over to my Patreon account. I would love your support, and I'm thrilled to have this beautiful community space where we can do yoga together, meditate together, and you'll get access to exclusive content. Get ready for some private Zoom Q&As, free printable art, meditation recordings, and more. Follow the link in the show notes to get started or head on over to any of my social media channels or my website wildyogatribe.com to hang out, get to know each other better, and find out more about all the support and resources available to you. Ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome back to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Today is a really exciting day. I'm so happy to welcome Fakhia Mumtaz onto the show today. She's a yoga teacher in Afghanistan and is the first yoga studio owner in Afghanistan as well. She founded Mumtaz Yoga Studio in 2017, and she has been teaching yoga to Afghan women refugees through the Yoga Alliance Foundation. And currently, she herself is a refugee in Islamabad, the capital city of Pakistan, where she teaches yoga to refugees and holds online yoga classes for women in the USA, Canada, and Europe. As the founder of the only yoga center in Afghanistan that provides yoga and welfare services to women, Fakhia Mumtaz is a pillar in the global yoga community and has been of great service to the women of Afghanistan. So thank you so much, Fakria, for being on the show today. Thank you too, Lily. I'm so excited. Thank you. So just to start off, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself or about also how yoga first came into your life. Actually, I always feel that I was born with yoga. And I was introduced with yoga. It was just more than 10 years ago. And, but I did yoga when I was very young, maybe two years old or younger. I did the poses with my imagination. I didn't have any instructor or anyone to guide me. My family supporting to do yoga regularly every day. Maybe I can say the imagination uh, uh, that I had in my mind for yoga was an inspiration that I had from my siblings, from my sisters and brothers as they were exercising martial arts. And uh, maybe their activities inspired me to make the poses. But as I said, more than Ten years ago, I was introduced with yoga. What is yoga and what's the benefit of yoga? Uh, And I started my yoga sessions on 2015 to introduce yoga for women of Afghanistan. And on 2017, I founded my yoga studio. Amazing. I think that... I've never heard someone say that they were born with yoga. I love hearing you say that and knowing that you practiced as young as two. And just from 
intuition from what your heart kind of knew to do intuitively, I think that's very powerful. I can say that I'm not professional. <laughs> and even I feel that I am not a yoga teacher. I am a yoga learner. And it's a very big uh, in yoga to know what's yoga, to understand the yoga, the philosophy, the history, the culture. It's infinite, isn't it? <laughs> yoga is so big. I know I'll be a student of yoga for the rest of my life. And I know you are studying right now too to get your bachelor's of yoga, right? Yes, you're right. I am still a student at SVSA University in Bangalore of India. That's wonderful. Are you enjoying your studies? Of course, yes. I want to, to be honest that I am not a religious person, but explore people's belief is very interesting for me to have research in the society. Ooh, absolutely. That's a very good point. It is interesting always to learn more and more about other people's faith and beliefs and traditions. So I would love to hear about what it was like for you to open the first yoga studio in Afghanistan. It wasn't easy, actually, this work wasn't easy in Afghanistan as a country with war and a critical situation with crisis for more than 40 years. And of course, there are cultural crises, there are social crises, political crises, and even beliefs crises. That is why it was very difficult for me to open a yoga studio in Afghanistan because Afghanistan is a country which is located between India and Pakistan, ethically and politically. You may know about the issues between India and Pakistan. And Afghanistan is between them. And yoga not just belongs to India. Yoga belongs to India and at regional countries like Afghanistan, Pakistan, Asian countries. Uh, the history, not the current time. There are many conflicts between these countries and my uh, country, Afghanistan. There are so many different tribes who are living in Afghanistan, and I am belonging to Hazara ethnicity, uh, who are the indigenous and original people in Afghanistan and this region. But still, they are involved in discriminations, as their Hazara's history belongs to Buddhism and that one of practice of Buddhist or yoga and meditation. How I started this in Afghanistan, it was very difficult for me. It was like a risk and that I put my life in Afghanistan. When I started, I was very conservative about my situation and my community. Uh, because uh, yoga wa was called haram in Afghanistan. Yoga was called a Buddhist and Hinduism action in Afghanistan. I was not able to have a transparent marketing 
for my yoga sessions and studio. One of the marketing for my uh, yoga sessions was the coverage of um, national and international media. It was one of the ways that I could introduce my activity for people because it wasn't a direct marketing among people. When there was an article about me or I had a yoga session, a TV yoga session and a famous uh, TV in Afghanistan, uh, people were in contact with the media to ask my address and ask my activity. And it was like a situation that it's how I started my yoga studio in Afghanistan. And I was so conservative. I risked all my life and because of my, my yoga studio. And I put all my time to, to introduce yoga for people, especially for women in Afghanistan, as science, art, and sport. Wow, it sounds like you risked everything, your life and everything to open the studio. Why do you think it was necessary that you did this? I'm so brave. What was telling you that you had to do this? I know my people. I know my society and know my culture. And that was why I could find some ways to um, the obstacles. It wasn't safe. It was not just necessary or important for women in Afghanistan. It was important for myself too. Everyone has to play their part in the world. Therefore, I should share my knowledge of yoga with other people to keep body and mind healthy, especially for women in Afghanistan who are struggling so many violence and challenges by their culture, their families, their society. And that was the necessity that I felt to open my yoga studio and be supportive for women in Afghanistan. That's amazing. And when you did open the yoga studio or when you started offering classes to the women in Afghanistan, what was their response like? My activities were appreciative for people in real world. But in the virtual world, in social medias, there were different comments. Some were positive and some were negative and the negative were so aggressive and uh, we were accused that we are a prostitute and a spy of India in Western countries. Oh no, that's very intense. <laughs> wow, because I know that, I believe that was in 2020 when you were celebrating International Yoga Day in the hills in Kabul in Afghanistan. Within 24 hours of celebrating International Yoga Day, you did receive Threats? Yes. Called my yoga sessions haram and they claimed a fatwa against us. And it was that they were claimed as to be headed. Oh, no. 
They wanted you to be beheaded because you were teaching yoga. Yes. Actually, I was teaching yoga and we were 20 women who did yoga outside of a studio. And it was like a public activity, which was very sensitive for them. And I believe that they were afraid of my influence among women. Because the, the leaders of religions are always afraid of others' power in the society. Wow, they were afraid of your influence over women. They were afraid because you were gaining more power as a yoga teacher and you, people were trusting you and like that. Yes, sure, because mostly the young people, believe me, uh, than a fundamentalist religious leader. Wow. Okay. And so that was one of the things to, that caused you to leave Afghanistan, right? To become a refugee. Yes. At the time, I was trying to leave because my life and my family life was in the danger, especially my kids who were not able to go to university and school. Whenever a mother see that their kids are not able to study, of course, they feel that there is nothing for them to continue their life. So I didn't have any choice except leaving Afghanistan. But fortunately, on the time, there was COVID-19 pandemic situation that no countries issued visa. And, but my activity was so limited. My activity, my life, my work, it was the time that every social activist, every woman and human rights defender were in focus of organization to evacuate from Afghanistan. I would like to also ask to currently... What happened to your yoga studio in Afghanistan since you've left? Has it closed down? Does it exist in any capacity or only now more in online in that space? Unfortunately, it is closed. I was not able to open it. And now I have just online yoga sessions virtually. Yes. And do you teach in person in Pakistan to other women refugees there? Sometimes we are holding first-person yoga sessions uh, outside, like in a park. There are beautiful Buddhist stopa in Pakistan. As I said, that Pakistan is one of the countries which has the history of yoga and the history of Buddhist. Uh, sometimes we go there and do yoga with other Afghan refugee women. Amazing. I'm grateful that there is a stupa there. And also it is wonderful for me and for our listeners to hear about the history of, of Buddhism and of yoga and how it doesn't just belong to India. I think that's so important to recognize because even in Egypt, there's been evidence of yoga being practiced of years ago as well. I know one thing that we wanted to make sure we talked about was why is there no yoga federation in Afghanistan like there would be for any other sports? When I opened my yoga studio, 
it need to be registered officially. I to International Olympic Committee of Afghanistan, uh, and there was a Department of Sports by government. I referred there too, but none of them support me to register. When I asked them why, they respond me that there is no yoga federation. <laughs> so I asked them, it is not a problem. We, we, we can open it by ourselves. And as they didn't have any knowledge of yoga, they didn't accept me to found a yoga federation in Afghanistan. I tried a lot. I contacted India Yoga Federation. I contacted so many uh, people, powerful people. It didn't work. I couldn't found Yoga Federation in Afghanistan. That was the one of the big challenge that I was faced in Afghanistan in these twenty years. Yeah, it sounds like at every turn you faced people who told you no or reasons to not open the studio. But I love how you said earlier how you felt like it was a necessity for you and for the women in your community to have access to yoga and a place to practice it. Yes. Uh, even, uh, however, it was a big challenge, but still I kept my studio open for people, for women, and never gave up for any challenges. But now the one thing that which suffers me that my yoga practitioners are still stuck in Afghanistan. Uh, some of them fled to Pakistan uh, or Iran without any uh, clear future. It seems to me that you have done so much in service of your community and of other women. And I would love to ask you, I ask every yoga teacher who comes onto the show, what is your definition of yoga? What does yoga mean to you? Yoga means, for me, means science, health, art, beauty, culture, harmony, and bridge to history. Ooh, that was beautiful. I really liked how you said that. And why do you think that it is important that yoga is all around the world now? In, in almost every country, yoga can be found. And I know you were the only yoga studio and, to my knowledge, one of the only yoga teachers in Afghanistan. So why do you think it's important that yoga is all around the world? I want to add that I am not the only teacher in Afghanistan. There were other teachers, yoga teachers, too in Afghanistan, but uh, they never could o open or they never could make public yoga in Afghanistan. It was very risky for everyone. It was just me that I put my life at this risk, open yoga studio and make the yoga public. Yes, according to your question, I think humans, and I'm sure humans are born with yoga postures. In fact, we are doing yoga all of our life, but it is better to do it with discipline and awareness. And I think that is why it is important. 
that yoga is all over the world now and people know what's yoga. Yeah. I like that we are all born with yoga. Again, coming back to that, how you think humans just have yoga in them? Because as babies, we do these little downward dogs or or different shapes or also the way that we think. I think when we're children, we're very free. Yes, you know that there are more than 800 postures in the world. And it means that even when a baby is born, he or she is laid on the ground. It's a posture. And babies are playing with their hands, their legs, and their head. And it means that they do all many postures because when we are baby, we are free. Yes, that is true that our body naturally falls into yoga pose shapes when we're babies. Hearing you speak too, I was curious about your education in yoga. I know right now you're doing the bachelor's in yoga at Svyasa, but where did you receive your first trainings? I studied Edison University for three years, 20 years ago, and when I started my self-study, it was not difficult for me to understand what is yoga. Because when I was studying, I always learned yoga and point of view of physiology and anatomy. And on 2018, I was invited for International Yoga Festival and Rishikesh of India. And 2020, I attended to yoga teacher training in SVSA, University of Bangalore. And from 2021, I started my education in SVSA, University of Yoga and bachelor degree. I was also in Rishikesh around the International Yoga Festival in 2018. I didn't know it was even happening, but I was going to Rishikesh and it was like the last day. And I was like, oh man, I missed that. (laughs) I was very sad. It would have been just such a beautiful thing to meet you in person. And it would have been so full circle to get to interview you today. Yes. Oh, so interesting. Yes. It's always (laughs) fun and wild how the world works like that. Yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Fakria, I loved hearing more about what's going on with your past, where you are now, what's in the future. I just feel like we've gotten such an interesting and in-depth look at you and your history and what you're practicing and studying. But I would love to hear about the general situation of yoga practitioners in Afghanistan and what they're doing now, and also about a little bit more about what your situation is like now as a refugee, if you feel comfortable sharing. Thank you. It is one and a half year that I am in Islamabad, capital of Pakistan, as a refugee, and other uh, Afghan yoga practitioners are stuck in Afghanistan, and some of them fled to Pakistan and Iran. And I can say they are holding in 
unclear future. And yoga practitioners in Afghanistan, uh, they are all hiding and hidden. And as our yoga sessions were called haram in Islam and are called haram in Islam, and haram means that if anyone's action is considered haram, he or she should be headed. And that's why my students, my team are hidden in Afghanistan. And they keep them in their home without any activities, with low profile. And they are holding an unclear future. It may take as much time as destroying their future and life. Life is also in the danger. And everyone can, and in this world, can imagine if they are living in an authority of tourist group, how they can feel, how they, uh, how they can resist in that situation. Of course, it is not easy. It is not easy for no one to live in a country with a attorney of a tourist group. No, and I mean, I can imagine it. And as you said, everyone in the world can imagine it. And I think we can, but it is different. And I'm sure so much harder than we can even imagine because maybe we can only picture small things, but the impact and how that impacts probably every second of your day, every choice you make, every small little thing. And we forget, oh, if if I wanted to go out for milk or to get eggs, am I in danger? Or if I open my window and play music, I can't even imagine like yes. how serious it is. The difficulty of my team and a student is that there were so many news and articles about my class, my office, and my activities, and their faces, my student faces, are in many links of news and articles and websites. And of course, for them, it is very difficult. And for me, it is too difficult that it is my responsibility. If something happened to them, it's very difficult for me. And also, I am a stack in a third country without any clear future. Yeah, so Fakria, a lot of our listeners might know something about Afghanistan from the news, from the media. A lot of our listeners are in the U.S., but also in Greece, in the U.K., and all over the world. <laughs> we have definitely have listeners tuning in because this is such an international podcast with guests from around the world. So I'd love for you to share also, what is Afghanistan like? What was it like before all these difficulties? And what is it like right now? I was born in Kabul, capital of Afghanistan, and grew there, studied, worked, and made my life there. When I was very young, there was a regime of communism government. At the time, 
when I observe, it was very difficult for people to accept the culture of democracy. But people were trying to practice, to learn what's democracy. After that regime, I was a teenager. The civil war happened in Kabul. And many people fled and left Afghanistan for Iran, Pakistan, and emigrated to Western countries. During the civil war, we also, my family, fled to Pakistan. And after civil war, the Taliban captured Afghanistan. The first time of Taliban in Afghanistan, we were a refugee in Pakistan. At the time, I was a university student, a school student and a university student. I was studying medicine university. And when, again, Taliban left Afghanistan and the U.S., NATO and ISAF countries came to Afghanistan to support democratic government and returned Afghanistan back. And I can say that it was a new life for people. People were so happy to back home, to start their life again, start their work again. Year by year, people were disappointed because they found that they are faced with a corrupt government and people tried all the people tried to their hard working to build their country but i can say it was not as possible as the people wanted taliban came back and captured afghanistan and people tried to leave afghanistan back to Pakistan and Iran, and even on two weeks of Taliban, there was a evacuation program process to, to evacuate activists, human rights, and women rights defenders from Afghanistan to U.S. and Europe countries. But it's a beautiful country. The nature is so beautiful. The nature is wild and the weather is so nice that I cannot compare the weather of my country with other countries <laughs> because I had several travel and the U.S., Asian countries, but I never found any weather as beautiful as Afghanistan has. The food are so delicious. The taste of fruits, vegetables are different. And when foreigners were in Afghanistan, they were interested. When a foreigner comes to Afghanistan, they are interested to come back. It is one of the attractive points of Afghanistan. People are very generous and kind, yes, but a country with many mountains, and I never forget my country. Mm. Now, 
it is no chance for me to live, live there. Well, if any of our listeners, Fakria, want to learn more about you, I'm going to link your articles that you've been featured in by Yoga International, Nike, and more in our show notes so people can just scroll down, click. It'll also be on my website, wildyogatribe.com slash yoga in Afghanistan. But Fakria, would you also like to share the name of your yoga website here? And it will be included in the show notes and on my website too, but just here on the podcast itself, what is your website where people can learn more about you? Yes, my website is m-o-m-t-a-z dot y-o-g-a. Perfect. Thank you so much, Fakria, for being with me today. It has been a joy and an honor to be with you. Thank you, Lily. It's wonderful for me to, to be interviewed by you and with your wonderful program to introduce, to have interview with uh, yoga teachers around the world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. My conversation with Fakria Mamtaz, a yoga teacher from Afghanistan, was so incredible as we took a deep dive into what it was like to open a yoga studio in Afghanistan and all the risks and challenges that presented. I hope that this conversation made you realize how yoga is so important that it is worth the risk because it's a necessity for a community to have access to it. If you're looking to tune into a podcast episode that's all about yoga in Afghanistan, then this is the conversation for you. Thank you for listening to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Be well. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you feel called, please share this episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. Leaving a review would also be so appreciated. I also hope you can join me online on my website, wildyogatribe.com, or on social media. I would love to get to know you better. I would love to share with you and to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM, send me a note, get in touch. It would be great to hear from you. And as always, be well, dear one, be well.